Hello, welcome into the PHNX Rising podcast. I'm Owen Evans. Today, Ryan Sakura alongside me. It's not Max, it's not Jake, it's Ryan. I'm back, guys. Again, again. Like I said the last time, I'm just a call up away. Owen, Owen decides he wants to use me this week, so I'm here. He is. He's here in the studio. We're in the pink Jacksonville Armada kit. Shout out, not USL gang. Instead no. is... Former NASL. Yes. And uh, not only that, there's a lot of talk about him joining MLS Next Pro. Yes. they will. I actually think they will be there, but well, I don't know. Hold on. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. We've got a lot to talk about today, though. We're going to talk a little bit about Rising and what we're expecting to see out of them and how we think things are going to piece together ahead of this upcoming game. We're going to have a bit of talk about Oakland. There was, of course, some big news about Oakland Roots today with a trade they made with Hartford Athletic. And then we'll have a look at some of the other games coming up this week weekend and maybe talk about another club that's wearing pink and share some controversial opinions on that who knows owen's probably not happy i don't know we'll, we'll see we'll see where things go with that but let's start though by talking about phoenix rising look i don't want to dwell too much on that last game but since we were last on air on tuesday we have had the chance to hear from rising coach juan guerra and we've managed to hear what he had to say on reflection about that game in pittsburgh let's kick things off by having a listen to that I was, I was happy with many phases of the game. I think being on the sideline over there and, and being in Pittsburgh five times prior to that game, a few times as a player and, and twice as a coach, and understanding what playing in Pittsburgh is on that field versus those teams that, that Bob assembles, that, are, that they're very comfortable making you uncomfortable. And even when, they, I mean, when, when, when you try to make them uncomfortable, they're fine. Um, I was happy with many phases of the game that we did and I actually spoke to Owen after the game and I told him that I was happy with a lot of things we did and but watching the game after and you know I mean putting more emotions to the side and being more logical I think we did a lot of good things up to the final third in the final third we were okay because we were good three four times we cannot be good three four times we have to be good 10, 12, 15 times on the final third. But again, sometimes when you're on the sideline and you have those emotions and you, you're feeling that you're controlling a game in Pittsburgh and you're being able to pin them back and make them defend and you look to the side and you see Bob screaming and you see how uncomfortable Bob is. And, and then Bob talks to me after the game and he says what he said to me. Sometimes you leave with the feeling that, that you were better when you were not. We were good all the way into the final third. In the final third, we had to be much better. And this is what we've been working all week is about that change of mentality. I'm not necessarily surprised, if I'm honest, hearing the, the change in tone slightly there from what was originally said post-game to what was said on reflection several days later. Are you surprised by it, really? No, I mean, like, so you were there. You got the reaction hand-on firsthand. We were back at home here watching the game, doing the radio broadcast for rising and we saw that reaction we we saw that that tweet that you put out and we were very surprised Peyton Gallagher and I we did not understand how he could have been very happy with that game so I think it's a good thing in all honesty that he went back there was the change of tone and the understanding that as good as some of the phases in the game were like he said they lack the most important phase in this entire thing which yeah, is the attacking third find a way to score goals and the understanding of that can only be better for them he doesn't want to be complacent. I think he showed that. It's something that just keeps coming up, though, doesn't it? The final third is always... It feels like it's the topic we say every week. Every week. Now, I will say here, we've actually got a few things in. Uh, D. Gully, much better take, far less delusional, he says in response to the one thing. Um, very Rick answer, Michael says. Not sure if he's talking about 
the revised one or the original one. I, I didn't think that the revised one necessarily was. Rick's revised answers tended to come in the opposite direction. Yeah. got better over time. Um, Harry as well in the chat. Hello to Harry there from San Antonio. Um, look, I, I think that as you kind of break down where it's going wrong now, how much longer do you think it's going to take Rising to, to really click in that final third? So he's talked, Juan Guerra has talked a lot about how 25 games is sort of the barometer for this team in terms of where he really wants to see them fully hit their potential. I think it could be a little quicker than that for them to start finding goals. And scoring goals is the hardest thing to do in this sport. You, you play on a massive field with large goals for 90 minutes and you can only score one or two goals a game at most. It's impossible to score goals. And even the best teams in the early days of their, their productivity, Manchester City in the early days of Pep, stuff like that, struggle to score goals it's always been the most challenging thing for any coach to put together i i think like they should start to do something at some point they've gotten some contributions from arteaga they've gotten some from trejo varela played pretty well in his cameo against pittsburgh we'll get into that i'm sure at some point later on arminicus coming in is a, is a good ad for chance creation they're putting the pieces together to go into the system that should mean they create more so I don't think they're too far away, but at the same time, that's what's crazy about this sport is you can be not too far away, but at the same time be acres and miles and a billion pieces of places away. Yeah, I mean, Amanakis, that's the question, really. As we talk about Amanakis, we talk about Panos, what are we expecting him to bring in here, really, to this team? Chance creation. And that was what he said. That was what he was very, very high on himself. He thought he was brought in to create chances, to do the work. He felt like he was going to have a more advanced role in this rising system. He talked about how Loudon, at Loudon, he was very defensive, not necessarily in terms of he was a defender, but he was dropping into deeper pockets in the field. He expects very much to be further up in this rising setup where his chance creation numbers, which are already pretty high in terms of where they rank in the USL this year, his expected assists, big chances created, stuff like that, he expects it to be even greater in a tighter packed team and in a system that's a little more rigid than his role was in Loudon. But his job is to create the chances for the Trejos, the Arteagas, even the Varelas, and in some ways, I guess, Eddie Monjoma as well. But those are the guys, those are the guys that are going to benefit from Arminicus's entry into the team because he's just a pure creator. He's a number 10. When he gets on the ball, he's looking to feed you in and find a way to get you a goal. Yeah, he's... Definitely that kind of a player. I mean, you've seen him with Loudon where he, he was creating chances, not necessarily chances that turned into anything all the time. But again, that's with a Loudon United side that you'd say, yeah. broadly speaking, is not as strong as Phoenix Rising. And so you'd like to think. You'd like to think. I mean, the, the question now becomes then, what are we going to see this weekend? What are we going to see in terms of just... How are they going to come out and line up? You're looking at things. I mean, we've said all along, right? You can't now have... Arteaga, Trejo, Fede, Panos out there. The question is, who's he likely going to drop? I'm intrigued what the chat think about that one. Um, who's going to make way? How are things going to balance out? Of course, Carlos Harvey as well. We've even seen him play in a more advanced role in some of these games. Yeah. And so if you add him into the mixer again, yes, he can play fit deeper down. But it's, it's just not... There's just so much competition now, and especially even when Emi Cuejo comes back, which he's 
still only in half training at the moment, but he's started to make that kind of progress back towards integration back into the squad. And the hope is that maybe it's next week. I mean, we've heard that a few times, so take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt, but I'm sure it's only a few weeks ago now if he's back in half training. And it's a good problem to have. I mean, like you, when you've got all this different talent, you've got to find a way to obviously piece it together. I think at times we've seen Varela be the short end of the stick on that, not getting as many minutes as the Trejos and the Arteagas of the world. And that has caused, I think it's, in all honesty, a, you're able to say a little bit of frustration within the player because that's expected when you're not playing and you've been brought in to do what Fede has been brought in to do here. But I think where you see the front three fit in is Arminicus is going to be in this team. He's an acquisition that's a chance creator. He fits perfectly into one of those two number 10 roles. Varela makes sense and always has in this other role, but he's been competing with Trejo. And Arteaga, who's the leading scorer on the team, he's taking chances here and there. He's doing all the dirty work, all the hard stuff that a striker needs to do. The, the curious one here is, like, you have two true number 10s that fit the roles they're asked to play perfectly. You have Trejo, who's somewhat of a tweener, can play out wide, can play as a 10, can play as a 9, did play as a 9 for Vegas last year. And you have Arteaga, who's a 9. So when you have two true number 10s in your front three and you're trying to piece together how it is, those guys go there. Then your choice is Trejo or is it Arteaga? And I think the answer, in my eyes at least, would be pretty obvious. As much as Arteaga does for this team and works for this team and has scored this year, you play Danny Trejo as the nine. He's the best player in this team in one-on-one -on -one scenarios. You have an opportunity with that front three of Trejo, with Arminicus, with Varela, to have a lot of dribblers, a lot of creators, a lot of versatility in the attacking third, some rotation. It's a really fun group. That's what I'd hope to see against Roots on Saturday, as good as Arteaga's been. I think Trejo has to be in the team. I think Varela, when he's on, has to be in the team. And Arminicus, you see what you've got in him. He's a true number 10 that fits your spot perfectly. Yeah, and I mean, there's something actually in the chat. I did see that Rob Ashpole was saying, look, when you don't forget about Gabby Torres as well. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't know how close he is to coming back. Of course, he was the guy who ultimately was dropped out of the 18 to make space for Panos. Um, worth noting that that was really because he's still kind of in that position at the moment in terms of just coming back from injury. He's not back to full fitness. And so they decided, well, of all the people to drop, it'll end up being him. But yeah, I mean, you add him into the mix. You've got him, you've got Uzo, you've got Manjoma as options out wide. Of course, in addition to even your Darnell Kings and, and those kind of players as well. And you're giving yourselves a, a lot of options, especially in terms of pace, in terms of creativity out wide. Um, if you've got that kind of creativity in the middle of the park as well, then hopefully things start to click. Hopefully. <laughs> you have, and it's hard to say because this league is so varied and the talent dispersion is so high, but... Insane, I think, is the word you're looking for. This yeah, league is insane. It's, it's, it's stupid, but <laughs> there is so much talent in this rising team. If you put together a fully fit Phoenix squad... I don't think it's far-fetched to say they're the most talented roster in USL. Rios Novos played U20 for the U.S. and Argentina and played MLS minutes. And Lambert, Juan Guerra called him the best center back in the division in the midweek. You've got Fuenmayor, who's played in MLS, has made an Open Cup run. Crutzen, who's been new to the league, new to the America, but has stepped in perfectly. He's a great passer of the ball. Harvey Zambrano, or a great pivot, that attacking front three we just talked about. And then, my for my money, it'd be Uzo and Monjoma on the left. You have a lot of talent, and it's a good problem to have when you've got that much talent. And then you've got Kwesho and Gabby and J Babakar Jai and Darnell King, your captain on the bench, and even still Arteaga on the bench. And it's just a lot of really, really good, strong, talented players. Eventually, when you've got that much talent, the winning 
in my eyes at least, watching how development and teams are built together, when you've got that many guys, winning's going to come at some point. It is, it is. You're getting some love in the chat there, actually, Ryan, with uh, Harry saying that he loves the Armada kit. A step up from Max before adding at the end in the kit game. Yeah, I mean, hey. It could have just been a step up from Max. <laughs> he had to just hedge it there a little bit. I'm not going to make as many uh, queasy jokes as, as Max. And queasy. Yes, queasy, not cheesy. I was expecting cheesy. Not he says cheesy. queasy. They are, not, they are not the best for the stomach. Well, i tell you what, we'll give a shout out as well to the third member of our team here, producer Shane, who, uh, Shane, I believe you found some footage, rare footage yeah, of uh, Panos Amanakis. It's unseen. I, I found it online, actually. So, Panos the Wonder Child. <laughs> Will he be Panos the Wonder Child? You'd hope. That's why you brought him in. I, 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 I think he's got enough to where I'd, I'd say yes. I, I mean, the image speaks for itself. The image speaks for itself. Well, we'll have to see. But if you're looking for miracles, I hear you can take that Circle K gas card that they were handing out at the last home game down to Circle K. You get 10 cents off a gallon there, which uh, those gas prices are starting to come back down as well. So, you know, you combine that with that 10 cent. Yeah, knock on wood, hopefully continues in that direction. But yeah, if, you, if you've got that continue to go down, you've got those 10 cent gas cards valid through August. Yeah. Head on down to Circle K. You can also there pick up a Polar Pop. Remember, text PHNX to 31310. You're going to buy one, get one free. Offer on a 32-ounce Polar Pop. So make sure to get yourself nice and hydrated as the summer comes in. Head to CircleK.com slash store dash locator. That's CircleK.com slash store dash locator to find Circle K's near you. Meanwhile, I hear you can pick up a beer at uh, Circle K, but you can also pick it up. At the 8th Street Pub well, you for guys Four can, Peaks. I can't. He can't. He can't, unfortunately. He is uh, not old enough, which uh, the disclaimer for that is coming at the end of this okay. one. So don't worry. You don't need to get too ahead of yourself there. But yes, we had a great time out there. We went. Now it feels so long ago, the World Cup, doesn't it? But we had a great time out there. And uh, you can still have a great time if you head on down there. Uh, great beers. You can, of course, pick them up as well from your local stores. Uh, I mean, we don't have any out at the moment, but, you know, normally I'm very partial to a wow. Unfortunately, Max, prior to his departure, did not do a good job of stacking up that fridge. Because otherwise I've been sitting here with a wow. But nope, he doesn't have any wows in there, so disappointing to me. But hey, check them out on social at Four Peaks Brewer or at Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest on Arizona's hometown brewery. Remember, of course, you must be 21 or older to drink Four Peaks, and please enjoy responsibly now. Oakland one? Roots. Oh, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're talking football now. now. Okay, yeah, okay. It. We're getting back to it. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. That's We've right. had a little had a little break there. Right. Mm -hmm. Oakland Roots. We'll start, I think, with the, the main part here, which is there was some breaking news today, actually, with Oakland Roots. And there was a trade. They made a trade with Hartford, sending Edgardo Rito over to Hartford. Oakland getting Yesiel Cedeno in return, as well as an undisclosed fee so when you look at that in in that kind of perspective who do you think is the winner out of this trade it's tricky to tell because hartford are a team that are towards the bottom of the table in the east they're looking for star power edgardo rito certainly is that he's a guy who's probably a top 10 15 guy in usl oakland so much so tried to ship him off to mls teams they didn't get any bites he wants a top three salary in this league Oakland don't have the finan the financial Not in funding the at all to pay for that. And that's out of utter respect for Oakland, what they've been able to do with their roster this year. They just don't have the ability to do that. 
Hartford makes sense in their 3-4-3 for him to go there, him to fit in. I don't know what they do with Antoine Openo now, who's been one of their best players on the right side this year. Rito slots in perfectly into that wingback role. Cedeno for Oakland, plus a little bit of cash, that's always important, fits perfectly, guys. He's a 10 in a team that doesn't have a lot of 10s. They use Lindo Mfeka. He's really one of their only true 10s out there. He slots in perfectly. They have cover at the right wing back role in their 3-4-3. They play the same formation as Juan Guerra does because that was where Juan was before. It's a little different, a little more defensive than what Rising play it as, but they still have a lot of similarities. But Cedeno slides right into a position of need and they have cover at the right back spot with Brian Tamakas, who's been playing there. They for do, most but he's not—he's not necessarily the same level. He's as Rito. not Rito going forward, nor is he probably Rito if Rito tried to defend. But Tamakas was playing as the right-sided fullback this season. Rito was playing as a number ten. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't a true number ten. So you're offloading a guy that you were playing out of position. Who was and playing? Yeah, you've got—you've got a guy who scored in Rito as many goals this season yeah. in just a handful of games as he did the entirety of last He's season. played well out of position, but he is playing out of position, and that's why Cedeno, to me, makes sense to bring him in. And he, I believe he doesn't fill an international spot either, which is mm -hmm. another important factor. That is, that is. He's got a green guy. card. He does not yeah. occupy an international spot. I will say that that comment there on the him wanting a top three USL kind of salary, that one coming by uh, Jonathan Como of Roots Blog, a uh, good guy up there in Oakland. I, I, I'm just intrigued looking at it. I think you're right. It fits in something that realistically, when you're looking at this from... Oakland's perspective, yes, that's a bigger need for them. However, I do think, look, it's not that Cedeno is not a good player. I just think he's quite young. He's perhaps a good one for the future as well. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that's quite the win now kind of move. That's the key thing here. I mean, it's a very, from Oakland's perspective to me, it's a guy who can definitely contribute to this team, but it feels very much like it's budget-driven kind of knowing that, look, you want to get something for Rito now while you still can. Because come the end of the year, if he's looking for a contract that's that big, Oakland just aren't going to pay it, and you're going to get nothing for it. And in some ways, I don't know, it'd be hard for me to believe Hartford would as well. So, like, I wonder if you're, if, like, you asked me, Rito goes on the market, let's say, a week ago, because he didn't play the last match. Mm -hmm. He wasn't featured. So this has probably been something... Right, and the, qu the question marks were coming out at that point. I, I know that I had... Someone came up to me in Pittsburgh and said, oh, and do you have any idea where Rito's going? Because they just yanked him out of this match day squad. Like, yeah. it's... So I think it's been in the works for about a week, right? They probably shopped him off. I mean, if, if they shopped him off to MLS clubs, who knows how many other USL clubs they were like, hey, do you want this wing back? Do you want Rito? I'm not sure Cedeno and Money would have been their first choice. They probably would have liked to have get a better number 10 at this current junction than Jesse L. Cedeno. But Cedeno's mm -hmm. not, an all, not an awful alternative. It's someone you'd take, I think, comfortably. I think Hartford win the trade for me because they get a win-now player. They get an asset that can help them that fits their system as they try and climb up the table. But Which is interesting because Hartford aren't really a team in a win-now kind of position right it, now, it's, are they? It's a weird one. And that's, again, that's why I say, like, hey, I'm sure there were other teams out there that were... that they. But they're said, currently hey, bottom of the East. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that there were certainly other teams out there in the USL yeah. that they were like, hey, do you want this guy? See they didn't get, get the somebody. bites, or they didn't get the bites that they wanted. They took the best deal they could get, which mm -hmm. was Jesse Cedeno, and they were hoping for something better from a bigger team. I'm sure Rito, when he found out he was trying to get it out, not get out because he just wanted the money, but I'm trying to say if he wasn't going to get the money there, he was trying to go find a contender. 
I'm not sure he imagined he'd end up in Hartford, Connecticut. No, I mean, I've been to Hartford covering Rising last year. Bit dim. I'm not sure I'd want to move there. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Bit dim. It could be. It could be much better. There are some. This league is a league of contrasts, is it not? You know, there's some very, very nice cities, and there's some places that you're like. Mm. Not the, the fun away days, really. But um, let's look at the rest of Oakland, though, and look at... I, I think, you know, a guy like Darius Formella, I think he's coming into his own this year. He's doing, having a pretty good season. He's fit in, I think, a little more this year with the way that Noah Delgado plays in this 3-4-3. Yeah. It's a little more direct. It's a little more in-your-face. It's a little less technical passing triangles that you see from Juan Guerra. And Formella, while he can do the Juan Guerra stuff... He is this run at you, try and find a way to make you make a mistake type of player. He's aggressive. And he's benefited as well as Johnny Rodriguez from this idea of being a little more direct. You talk about Johnny Rodriguez. Juan talked about this weekend or this in the midweek on Wednesday. He kind of just, when you give him some space outside the box, he's going to shoot. Like he's mm -hmm. that kind of direct player. Mm -hmm. And formal is much of the same in some ways. So they're a lot more direct. They're a lot more functional rather than stylistic, which is what Rising are. They're the stylistic team out of these 3-4-3s. Noah Delgado took what Juan Guerra had last year where they were trying to build this same style of play. He said, we're going to tweak it a little bit. They back in to drop four sometimes with Tamakas, and we'll play 4-4-2 in moments, but they try and attack in this 3-4-3, and they are very in your face. They try and press you at moments, but long balls. Every time Blanchett, the keeper, gets the ball, it's long, it's dumped. They try and find a way to get it up to Rodriguez and Formula as quick as possible and those two guys have benefited more than anybody else because of it absolutely and i think look when you when we spoke about this in midweek it kind of came up with with juan and it was like yeah they built on that project i think that's the key thing here it's not like they had juan left and they completely went back to the drawing board yeah. about how they were going to do things they've they've evolved what they had it there they smart whereas i think what what we've seen in the transition here in phoenix from rick chance to the way that Juan wants to play is a much more abrupt kind of transition away from one style of play towards another. And that comes with its issues. I mean, we've seen those issues this season. It's required a huge amount of turnover in terms of the playing staff. It's caused some problems in terms of adjusting to quite how they're going to deal with that in the final third. When you evolve slightly more, maybe it's 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 not that difficult. You don't face those same kind of problems. Um, there's a lot more consistency in there. I, I'm... You know what? We're touching on that. We're touching on that transition um, between Juan up in Oakland to Noah Delgado. Of course, when Juan left Oakland, that caused some controversy up there. It was not the most friendly of departures necessarily. And I did get the chance to ask Juan about that. It's the first time that he's going to be coming up against his former club on the touchline. Because, of course, he wasn't able to be on the touchline the last time these two sides met. So... I asked him if he thought there was going to be any of that ill will might still be around going into this game. Here's what he said. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know how they're feeling over there. I have not been in contact with with some of those five or six guys that, that made those decisions on the higher part of the organization. Uh, to be honest, I I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not interested in, in, in knowing I mean, how, how they feel either. Um, I respect the club very much. I respect the supporters. I respect the fan base. I respect all the players and the, and the coaching staff and and everyone that knows me. They know exactly how I feel about everything that happened, and I have nothing but love. But but all those those I mean those persons and, and part of the organization, just five or six guys are 
don't represent what the whole organization is. So that's how I feel about it. That was, I mean, look, it, uh, so Ali says it in the chat, there's so much drama. It was actually, I think, at times last season. The whole thing over like, oh, are they tampering? How, how's it going? I mean, it just says he looks like he doesn't care. I mean, I don't know. What was your take on that one? It was one of the feistier answers that Juan has given to any of the questions, and we've seen him defend players. In a midweek, yeah. We, in a midweek. That's fair. That's fair we that's see fair. sometimes different yeah, things after a true. game, but then no, that's a much more emotional time. Yeah, yeah. But like the midweek is his logical, you know, methodical plotting through a press conference. That was like a – he almost took – not offense to it, but he, he felt like he needed to get something off, and he needed to say like, hey, this is where I'm at with it. I'm here. Some people are still there, and I don't respect. I don't really have much care for that, and I think that that was kind of matter. And I think you could feel the edge to this week out of that, and that'll be something that I think matters to the players. It'll probably be something that carries over into the team talk pregame because there's a couple of former Oakland guys in that rising team. Fuenmayor and why am I oh, Jose Andres Hernandez? Oh, Andres Hernandez. There we are. That was that was a <laughs> the local yeah, boy. Yeah. Yes, and you can feel that testiness on a Wednesday. I'm sure it'll carry on over to Saturday before the game. You're going to feel an edge to this team, I'd imagine. And it's a lot of reasons because of that kind of answer is because there is this idea. And it's the first game ever with Oakland and Rising because he didn't coach the game when Rising went up to San Francisco Bay either because he was suspended on he the red card. He was suspended. He picked up a red card just before. He wasn't too happy about picking up the red card no. in the game before, but no. he did miss that game. Then he had to watch from up in the owner's suite uh, when they played down here. So, yeah, it's the first time he's been the head coach when these two sides have met. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I think you're right. I think there will be a, some degree of an edge to the game, but I think it's going to be tempered slightly because I think – as he even says there, it's harder because he's got a point to prove almost, well, maybe not a point to prove, but he's got an edge about it with him and his relationship maybe with certain individuals. But for the most part, I'm not sure those individuals are... Players and coaches. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. front office guys. that he, it's, it's it's the suits that won. It was clearly a little bit displeased with. Yeah. It's it's an interesting one. Look, I, I'm intrigued as well. We mentioned it about the fact that we got Aleph Wenmayor. We've got Jose Andres Hernandez, who... Both now are coming up against their former club, potentially. Um, what kind of an edge do you think that adds for them, you know, coming up against a former team, coming up against, uh, you know, players that you've played with yeah. up there, coaching staff that you played for? Yeah, I mean, and Jose Donaciano on the other side. Well, Indeed. he probably won't feature. I think he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury over the last couple of weeks. If there's any Jose stands out there, I'm one of them. Please join. I, I thought he was great. Uh, I times. thought he was great. I thought he was great at I th times. I thought he was good enough to stay. But as a side note, when you when you have a guy like Fuenmayor, who is someone who is a very clear starter on this team, he adds to something. I think there's an edge on the field of you have guys, you know what you're doing, you have a chance to understand, hey, what are the runs that Formula and Johnny Rodriguez are going to try and make? You can direct those at, especially for a guy like Fuenmayor, mm -hmm. who's at the heart of the defense when he's fit. Mm -hmm. he's the captain back there. As much as the armband is worn by Lambert or somebody else, he's the director of traffic. He's the traffic cop trying to figure out where everybody's going. And that's a guy that's a valued asset. He's a very intelligent player. He understands what the other team has. And I think there's an understanding of this run, of these runs. And even if Oakland have tweaked a little bit under Noah Delgado, you understand a little bit of the thought process, maybe a little bit better than anybody else on the pitch that's not in a Roots uniform. I think that's the first time that I heard a player described as a traffic cop. 
<laughs> it's a different kind Expert of description analysis. right there. Expert analysis. Uh, D Gully in the chat saying Oakland will have an edge. Juan bailed on them. They'll be motivated. I don't know. See, to me, that was true last year. I thought that was true when they came in um, against, uh, you know, they came into Wild Horse Pass. I think they did. And that's why you saw the celebrations. You saw all of that in Phoenix last year when they won. Um, I mean, there's also some other comments in there about how Gabby posting pictures of him back at training. We said he's back. He's back in training. He's training mostly as normal now. Yeah. Um, it's just that he's still that, you know, is he fully fit to go 90 minutes? Probably not at this point. You know, that takes time. That takes time. But that takes game time even to really progress yourself up to that point. Um, look, I think as we... One more thing I think on Oakland before we start wrapping this part up. I'm intrigued because this is not Oakland, right, to be in the position that they're in at this stage of the season. Oakland don't do this. Oakland start the season atrociously. Oakland languish outside the playoff places. And that last two or three months, they just click. And everything goes right and they end up in seventh or eighth. And then they start winning playoff games. What are we? Is this sustainable for Oakland? Or are they are they going to drop off? I mean, I think the we haven't seen a full season yet no, from that. And I, I I don't know. I think the difference with this Oakland team a third of the way through is that they have the grit. Like they're not trying to play any pretty style of football. They're just no. trying to saying they're playing for results, and that's they're still playing with some substance. Like they are. They're also to play not playing in Oakland this year. It's a good point as well. They don't have to deal with. Whatever that is. Yeah, there's not the constant transitions and the awkward field by there. They're yeah. playing up in CSU East Bay now, yeah? Down yeah, in Hayward. I, I think so. I think you're I think you're right. And like I think that that's what matters for me is this is an Oakland team that's built on result, result, result. Grind it out, get a point, get three points, figure it out. I think they've been pretty good at that this year. And obviously when you're fifth in the West, as talented as the West is, and you can maybe make the argument that Vegas is is bottom in terms of the talent pool that they're, they're and yet lost rising in. lost to yes, Vegas it, at home. This game. This league. This league is insane. Vegas are the worst team talent-wise in the Western Conference. And then you have a, a stretch of New Mexico and RGV and Monterey Bay and Oakland where it's like these are the other three or four teams that should be in the bottom four, the teams that don't make the playoffs. And out of all those teams, Oakland's the only one that's up in the top five. It makes no sense, and it's a credit to what Noah Delgado has done stepping into the job and stepping up. Indeed, you're right. I'm going to toss it now. Score prediction. Putting you on the spot, come on. <sighs> they didn't tell me they were going to do this. Um, <laughs> we do it every time in the finals. I, I, think, I think for me, I think rising... I think Arminicus is a good ad. I think he gives them something that is a true number 10, which is something they've lacked because as much as Varela and Fede can as Fede can be that role, he wants to be a little bit different. He wants to be a carrier, not a, a distributor. And I think Arminicus, while he can carry, his primary job, his primary role is to turn and play. I think he adds something there. I think whether it's Trejo or Arteaga up top, and if or Varela is off the team or whatever, I think they're going to have opportunities there. Manjoma's fit. He fully trained. I he think he's been getting better and better every week. I think Uzo's going to be back and fully fitting, fully fit and starting. You've got all this attacking talent. I think Rising find a way to keep a clean sheet and find a way to score a goal and win one. Now, 
You're going one nil. Yeah. So the chat here, we got Thomas saying two nil. D Gully with we better get three points. No prediction. Michael two one. I'm also going two one here. I'm gonna go. Panos is gonna score. Danny Trejo is gonna score. One nil Trejo says Bandidas blew it in there. Yeah, that people are confident, but the question is, is it misplaced confidence at this point? Every time it feels like we as the media and anybody else has been confident it's been yeah. a disaster and anytime it's like well we're walking into this one and it's not it's not going to go well well it's actually been pretty good so tread carefully yeah well those expectations are pretty high and you can get high with ogs so here's the cream you see all right the mixed bags the fruits the creams the fruits watermelon red apple peach they got the cream blackberries and cream orange creamsicle peaches and cream pink lemonade is coming soon that one max is gonna have to come back for apparently he's uh cutting short his trip to south america to make sure that he gets back here in time for them dropping the pink lemonade flavor on june 21st remember you can go out you can find ogs at your local dispensary you can check them out online at ogsbrands.com that's o-g-e-e-z brands.com and on instagram at ogs brands uh, you must be of course 21 years or older to purchase meanwhile also a good place uh, if you want to have some fun on a, an upcoming Tuesday at some point. I'm sure we'll have a Tuesday where we don't have a podcast. So uh, we always head on down to Valley Taproom when that's the case. We go down there, get some good beer. They do have four peaks. They got about 30 taps on down there. So a lot of choice, a lot of choice, big wine selection, light bar menu there. You can bring food from outside though. And uh, we always have fun on a Tuesday when we don't have the pod because we go down there. They got trivia at 6.30. It's a good time. Last time we went there, we ended up winning the trivia. Max claims credit. Of course, he always does uh for the fact that he seems to think that yeah he he's the one that won it for us he got about two questions of it but hey let the man think what he thinks there's two questions with the difference oh definitely absolutely but anyway good time there they have a lot of different things wednesdays they have 35 percent off wine bottles they have live music on fridays so there's a lot of reason to head on down to valley tap room go check them out uh they also have a happy hour uh noon till six during the weeks uh, which has money off of drafts and uh, and wine and uh sometimes they get the karaoke going as well on the saturdays which i know that uh one of these days we will get max out there for karaoke don't you worry it's going to happen we're going out there every day he will he will definitely we will have a twitter poll at some point to determine what song max is going to sing (laughs) we will film it we will post it for you we will play it during our shows we will put this everywhere we will get max doing karaoke at valley taproom but remember you can go check them out on instagram at valley taproom and you can visit them off the 202 and gilbert good time over at valley taproom right what else is a good time? It's when you got a weekend coming up at USL action. Good time or a really, really bad time? Um, we'll have to see. Let's have a look at those fixtures. Always a good time, even if it's a bad time. Let's have a look at those fixtures coming up tomorrow. Louder United FC Tulsa. Good time or bad time? Snoozer. Snooze time. There we go. Especially when you contrast it with San Diego Loyal hosting Sacramento Republic. Why are San Diego... Not bad all of a sudden, but just nowhere near what they were out of the gates this year. Frauds. They, I, well, yeah, but like they, they clubs just, are they just slipped. It's like new San Diego announcement came in and they just kind of like stopped caring. They were like, well, yeah, this kind of sucks. How many playoff games they ever won in their history? Zero. And Sacramento's good. Watch Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento are a pretty good team. I'd expect them to probably get a result there, especially because San Diego have been pretty horrid at home lately. 
not been really falling apart for them. Meanwhile, in other games, Pittsburgh Riverhands hosting Charleston Battery. That'll be an interesting one to me. Charleston, I think, is still slipping a bit, especially with the fact that they, they drew 0-0 in an admittedly heavily, heavily weather-affected game yesterday that didn't finish until after midnight on the East Coast. Shout out Detroit for finding a way to get it done again. Now, well, Detroit, they're very good defensively. They just don't score for the most part. <laughs> and I mean, that's score, true. They, they don't score. And then when they score, they give up too. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, some of the other games, any others that particularly catch your eye from this weekend? The big one is Pittsburgh-Charleston because okay. it's the top of the East team. Charleston have just kind of managed to hover around that upper echelon with Ben Pierman this year. It's been really impressive. And then you could argue on the road, day one, right now, that might be one of Rising's better results. Pittsburgh are... Second in the East. It's a one versus two out yeah. there. Yeah, it is, yeah. And Pittsburgh are hotter than any team. I think Pittsburgh, it's 10, or 10 straight unbeaten in all competitions before they lost to FC Cincinnati. It's seven straight in the USL Championship, which is their second longest run in like club history. They've been really, really good. Memphis and Loose City is another good one. That's going to be a really good one because here's the thing. Loose City have, I think, been... They're just not really clicking right this no. team has been dominant for so many years they're not quite clicking right now they're starting to fall a little bit back down they've dropped i believe to fourth memphis are in fifth memphis has been the form team in a lot of ways um i i am intrigued to see how that one pans out especially in louisville but they're just not clicking at all um <laughs> a lot of chat here they've got some opinions on san diego michael also shouting out uh ben get the patch in pierman <laughs> yeah um but no, I mean, I think that memphis Lou City game is going to be fun because... I think so, yeah. Lou City, predominant power. Memphis figuring out, you mentioned the form team. Josh Winder just got his move. He's going to be off and running to Benfica officially. That was weird. It got reported. Record transfer. Record transfer. Seven figures. It was reported by uh, Fabrizio Romano to be, I believe, $1.2 million. Yeah, and it got reported like... Like a month and a half ago, and then Winder, when he was at the U20 World Cup, went on um, Football Americas with Hercules Gomez, and Hercules Gomez asked him a question about the Benfica move, and Winder said, yeah, we'll see. Like, he was very coy about it, and people were like, well, is it actually happening? And then, and then like, two days later, it's like, well, yeah, it happened. Yeah. The other one's San Antonio El Paso. Mm-hmm. El Paso are fun. I like watching El Paso. I hate watching San Antonio, but they're so <laughs> Sorry, good. Harry. Harry, no, no, no. You don't understand. I hate watching San Antonio because it's so negative and unfun while being really fun at the same time, and they're really good. But It's really functional football. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's enjoyable it's because winning of how functional football. it is. If you're watching it and that's your team, to a degree, if you're winning those games, you don't really care that much about how good the football the is. The way to explain it is if, if you're a fan of the way Juan Guerra sees the game, and how he wants to have this stylistic approach, you're going to hate San Antonio for every single second of the 90 minutes. El Paso are fun. They kind of just do stuff, and it works out every time. I think San Antonio El Paso is going to be a... Bring back Max, says Harry. (laughs) There we go. He started with such positivity, saying that you were better, but no. I think the other one that actually does intrigue me is slightly. It's going to be Tampa Bay, who again... Team in very good form out in the East. They're playing New Mexico. New Mexico getting their first game in the post-Zach Prince era. We still don't quite know who they're going to go for over there. We're going to have to see how they ultimately resolve that issue. But, yeah, that'll be interesting. I'll be curious to see where New Mexico goes with the style of head coach. Not necessarily what the name is or who the person is, but what kind of manager they go with. Do they go with function? Do they go with style? Do they try and figure out how they want to play as a club? It's a club that... 
has had a culture around their fans, but has lacked a culture on the pitch. There's been a lack of like coherent, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. I, I'd like to see them commit to a fun brand of football rather than a, a, a more functional negative style. I think they've got a chance to do that, but we'll see. Yeah, be nice in the chat, Rob. Be nice to Harry. Be nice to Harry. But um, I, I think, no, okay. So that's our, that's our little look at USL. Um, we, we've also touched there on the fact that Josh Winder with the transfer news. Of course, this other transfer, ricking for NMU. It's, it's, Michael, it's not going to happen. Some it's not going that out to happen. It's not going to happen, okay? It's not going to happen. <laughs> if it happens, you can clip this. Don't worry. It's fine. But... I, I, it's not clip it going now, to guys. happen. Just clip it now. Just, just have it in case. Ready. Okay. Um, Rick Swenemio, I need it, Thomas. Guys, it's okay. Just don't get your hopes up, okay? Just don't get your hopes up for it. How would that play in Phoenix if he did get it? Eh. They don't... I mean, Harry, you're right. They don't want him. They don't want him, so it's not going to happen. How would it play? I mean, no, no one here would care think, per se because a lot be of happy. the people who are... Like yeah, I mean it would it would really screw with their locker room over there. Um, I mean you have to consider that you got Santi Mario, you got Greg Hurst over there. Are they guys who really want to be? Are they guys who really want to be playing for Rick Chance again this year? <laughs> Santi Mario in particular. I mean they specifically it's... bring in Rick as an assistant just to stare over Santi the entire form of the game. Uh, immediately Santi Mario announces leaving. Um. <laughs> But, okay, okay. Yeah, that's enough New Mexico talk for one day. I've got to deal with the fact that I might have to be going over there to Albuquerque shortly, so let's let's not keep talking about that club in the yellow. Um, other football news from the US. You know what I'm going to say. How big do you think it is? Lionel Messi signing for Inter Miami. Oh, do you think it's particularly... Yeah, yeah it's just... Pink. Small. Yeah, pink. I know, we, we hinted at that one earlier. What do you think about that? What do you think in terms of... Because to me, I think a lot of people are heralding it as though it's going to be this huge game changer for MLS and the game in the US. And I fear that... Well, I think people are over-egging it in a lot of ways. Um, I think the other thing to me there, and this is probably where the issue is, right, is that... And I say this in... Kind of, I, I, I'm not gonna say that the Apple TV deal is a bad deal for the league. I don't think that's true necessarily. I, I, like I think they got a lot of money involved, yeah. and from MLS's perspective, sometimes the cash in hand is better than the the potential down the line. Yeah. Okay, but I think that when you sign a guy like Messi, you want to try him out. You want to show off your stars, and here's what's happening: you're not gonna be able to show him off easily on TV. Because all those games are on Apple TV. They're on a bespoke streaming service within that. Okay? So they're ultimately being aired by... You know, you've got to pay specifically to watch MLS. So it's a steep point initially to get people on board. Yeah. They're not just tuning in because it's on something else that they have that they already watch. Yeah. So I don't think you get that boost. I you're not going to get, get the, boost you're not gonna in, get... I think you do get a boost in terms of people going after the Apple Plus, but I get what you're... you're in what you're saying, you don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's limited more. That's the thing more. It's more... People think it's revolutionary and it's not going to be in that sense. The other one then is that you want to trot him out and have people see him in public. But you see now that the ticketing landscape in the US is so broken, right? That no, and it's true. In most places around no, the world, no, no. you can't actively scalp in the way that they do here by doing these transactions. And Ticketmaster only... It's pushing these at this I point. I saw somebody tweet out when the move got announced, right? Like, 
Messi, I, I just went to Paris and saw Messi for $100. I'm not going to go pay six times mm. that to watch him play mm. in Red Bull Arena. No. Like, nobody no. is. And, that's and Har Harry, here's the thing. It's the international growth that Messi brings. How many people were subscribed to be in sports to watch Ligue 1? How many people? Genuinely. People who are obsessed with what, following Messi are going to watch Messi. They're not necessarily going to transition. I don't think international growth is that huge. I also think that, again, and this is the problem, actually... <laughs> overseas yes you've got apple tv but are people necessarily going to sign up for that they'd have been more likely when it's already on existing sports channels right i know that mls used to be carried on sky sports in the uk what a wild okay. decision who was watching mls in in wales were you watching well, mls in wales no but that's yeah. because the games are being played at 1am when there's also nothing else on to be fair yeah, to fill true. their programming that's slots true. right but You'd be able to if you, you you've probably got those channels already in other countries and you're watching it that way. Whereas it's a it's an investment. Mm -hmm. To me, the people overseas that are going to invest in it are going to be hardcore Messi fans who aren't going to develop into MLS fans. That's the key thing overseas now. I think the bottom line that I've reached with the Messi stuff is it's not as big of a move as David Beckham telling out. I think that was a big one at the time and that kind of launched it in the same way that Pele launched the NASL at yeah. that point in terms of just well the sport more but when it was in the NASL Beckham stage, brought yeah. you Beckham brought you not only his ability and his knowledge of the football universe but also he was a household name everywhere not that Messi isn't but like Beckham was a different breed. He could walk into Hollywood and get you anywhere you want. Messi could walk into Hollywood. He could do whatever he wanted, but there's not the same charisma that Beckham brought. It's not as big of a move as the Beckham move because Messi's not going to be this poster child that Beckham chose to be. Part of the Beckham move was that we're going to slap you everywhere and well, you're going to be Beckham, do a good Beckham job. was a celebrity. Messi yeah. is a footballer. Yeah, correct. And people adore him because he is by far probably. Well, he's in a two-horse race in his generation for the best player. He's very plausibly one of the... Well, he's in the conversation of the best players of all time, all time, right? Like it's I mean, undebatable. There's a, there's a handful of players that you'd put in that list with him, and it's people like Pelé, it's people like Maradona. It's not... And uh, So that's the thing. It's a short-term boost, and that is the thing. How do you turn it into long-term growth, as Harry's saying? How do you turn it into long-term growth? And the answer is... At the moment, I've not heard anything of that. Answer, if people are only showing up to watch Messi, they're not going to no, no. just convert. Into so it. Messi doesn't give you, I think, any long-term growth in terms of you're going to get a you're going to get viewership increases. Messi gives you financial growth in terms of you bring him in. You're going to get teams are already owned by billionaires. Yes, yes, yes. But the viewership and matters. Pennies and, on this league. You're going to get players, and the the goal is that again, for every Messi, if there can be two Thiago Almadas in the league. You take that. If there can be two Honey Mukhtars in the league alongside two Tiago Almadas and one Messi in the league, that's fine. Right now we have one Tiago Almada who's a $35, $40 million transfer away to a, a, a big five league club. And he'll play. And he's playing well for Atlanta United. And I hate the World Cup winner thing because he didn't play in the tournament, but he is. You have a Hani Mukhtar who joined the league from, uh, some, I think it was Bronby in Denmark, and has become a league MVP. The only guy, I think, to have 10 goals and like five assists in three straight USL seasons, or not USL, MLS seasons, right? So if you can get a Hani Mukhtar who's going to come in from a weird spot and be a star, or a Thiago Almada who was well-touted, or a Miguel Almiron for that matter as well, well-touted stars that come into the league, turn into $35 million exports and are stars in the league while also having a Messi as well. That's the 
exact model I think that you want. You want a guy who's going to bring in the star power, bring in the name recognition globally, because everybody now knows about Inter-Miami across the world. Their, their Instagram followers went up 4.5 million overnight. That's what Messi gives you. He also gives you the recognition of every little kid out there that now sees MLS as this actual option. And we've seen the intelligence of where MLS has gone. This has been a zag for what they've been able to do recently. Gail, Gareth Bale was the same thing. But they go younger now. They've been getting these young 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old players that have resale value, that are good, talented, mostly South American assets, and they bring them in and they play well and they move them on. If you can have a Messi that gives you this global, international reach, which he does. He might not give you the long-term growth that you want out of international stuff, but he gives you the right now, right here, global span combined with young talent, young players, guys who missed out on Europe that still could play here, that you can turn into stars in your own league, that your own teams, that Nashville SC and that Charlotte can follow. That's, I think, the end goal is that you can need a healthy mix. Here's the thing. All of that kind of mix, all of that kind of stuff only comes about with financial investment which, in your league, which at this point they're, they're creeping towards maybe, but they've still got the big salary cap kind of stuff, all of those kind of things that, and I mean, pe people talk about, this is the thing I hate about it. When you get into this conversation about salary cap and people talk about, well, parity, parity, look at the Premier League. Do we want to be like that? It does no, that's not, no, that's the salary cap's not the reason. The reason for that is because you end the season with this utter, like rolling the dice in single elimination games to determine who your champion is. That's right. Fair. That's the real reason why it's not the similar teams can competing every year per se is because you end in the playoffs and i think and people will probably point to the league table and say well that's not necessarily true but i guarantee you if it was just done just on the league table you'd find that yeah. teams take it a lot more seriously i mean god there was a time when people were trying to avoid the number one spot in the mls things because they didn't want the week off because that ruined uh, people had a bad record when they took that week off yeah i i brought it up in the midweek and like i said i i do genuinely think that the salary cap helps with some of the parity and it helps teams like like Colorado Rapids are bad one year. They can Shout sneak out the in, NVR Rapids there. They can yeah. sneak into fifth another year. They can go back to thirteenth another. Our second favorite USL caliber team. That's <laughs> that's what parity does. That's what the salary cap does. It, it, it provides that kind of stuff where you can have a team go from twelfth to fifth, and that happens at times in the Premier League, but not as consistently as it does in MLS. But you're right. At the upper levels, you get your Philadelphia's. You get your LAFC's. You get stuff I, here's like the thing, that. though. Outside of... No, if you're talking about 12th to 5th, that does happen. Yeah. That does happen I in mean, the Premier League. I mean, like, I mean, it, it's, it? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about that you middling group. That middling group of teams. You can't don't point to flip me. around quite a bit. Okay, you can't use this year as an example. Because Chelsea had an awful year and Spurs did as well. And how many? All right, so let's go. Let's go. I don't know. Well, um, well 15, no, 16's no, yeah. the Leicester year. Yeah, so, so, how, yeah, so here we go. How, looking, what leagues are we taking now? Leicester was the like dumbest but also coolest thing this sport and maybe sports in general has ever seen. All right, so 17, 18, City won the title. United finished second by like 20 points back. That was the Mourinho mm. year. Mm. And the year after, United fell to six. So Burnley finished seventh that year. Then they had newly European promoted football. Wolves finishing that seventh Wolves team in was bankrolled. Owen, you can't use that. that yeah, Wolves I know, but again, bankrolled. that's not a salary cap. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's. A, I don't think that it's a detractor, and I think, that, but the bottom line, the parity is built off the playoffs. I agree with you on that, and I think that 
again, I, again, all you want to know about MLS is apparently Aguero spoke to the media today and said something along the lines of, he texted Messi and said congratulations or whatever, then sent him a screenshot of the table. And it was Inter-Miami dead last in MLS. And Messi responded with, yeah, we got to get to the playoffs in a, like a sarcastic way. This is like actually, I think it was Fabrizio who reported or somebody said that. Someone with actual merit basically said, Messi understands the playoffs are dumb. The playoffs are dumb. MLS shouldn't have playoffs. USL shouldn't have playoffs. It's a merit-based system. Win your league, all that stuff. But the playoffs exist, and that's why it's America. And that's why it's weird. And it's kind of funny. I can't wait for Messi to have to go to Cincinnati. Well, it's a shame. It's a shame he wasn't out there for the cup game yesterday, where I'm sure he'd have gotten kicked to absolute pieces. That was a handball. Against Birmingham Legion, it should have been, actually, as well. Such a Um, bad I, w- I will say, I didn't think that Sergi Demianchuk had a particularly good game in that one overall. I don't think you've ever thought he had had a good game, to be fair. <laughs> but I agree. I feel like there were moments of just lacking control in that one. And I mean, look, the, these two, unfortunately, it, it is unfortunate. I think both the Pittsburgh and the Birmingham Legion games feel like they've been overshadowed to a degree by a couple of bad calls. And that's a shame. I mean, you've got two USL teams there that put a... Uh, a good front for the league in the Open Cup this year, and I think that they uh, could have possibly gone further. I mean, Birmingham Legion went a huge amount away, especially one one more bad uh, redirect towards the own goal from into Miami, and possibly Legion could have been level yeah. there in yeah. front of eighteen thousand fans. But you know what? That's starting to draw us, I think, to a nice conclusion. Uh, I think we'll have to leave it there. But remember, of course, that you can. Uh, you see this scarf. Behind here? The nice scarf, yes, sir. I like that it's on a cactus. It's currently on the cactus. It's actually a really cool one for the summer. Um, I know this came up uh, It came up in the last show. I think it was Leah was suggesting, you know, since it's such a nice lightweight material, you could actually take them out to games. It'd help you with a bit of sweat, maybe. Like it's like a towel? Yeah, you could do. Yeah, you okay. could do. While wrapping your favorite podcast. The so, Armada yeah. used to give out like a towel, like a, a scarf every game if you were like the first 500 people there. And they were all, because it's Florida and it's humid. And it's always hot in the summer. They're all like the, that thin material. Mm-hmm. Got like a billion of them. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah, well, you can get your own one. Go to the PHNX Locker at phnxlocker.com. Uh, you can find that there. You can find T-shirts. We've got all kinds of things. Not just Rising, of course, but all of our other beats. We've got a load of Suns T-shirts on there. D-backs. D-backs doing pretty well at the moment. You can go wrap the D-backs. You've got the uh, Suns with a new head coach. So Does PHNX we'll Bets see. have merch? Uh, that's a no. That's a no, Shake. I've been trying for so long, man. We need to get on that. I've been trying for so long. People don't... Uh, th- 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 it's something about they wouldn't buy... T-shirt with your face on it. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Would you buy a T-shirt with uh, Shane's face on it? Shane's a bad to interject now if it'd, you don't. It'd be, a, it'd be a lie if he said no. Well, rumor has it that if, if Rising can somehow manage to win the uh, league, Max is getting a tattoo that will also feature his cartoon face on it. So, hey, we'll that's have electric. to see. We'll have Honestly, to see. Adman will get an Adman tattoo. But you remember, if you want to grab yourself one of those scarves, you want to grab a T-shirt, head on over to the PHNX Locker at phnxlocker.com. Right. That's about it from us here. Remember, you can catch the PHNX Rising pregame show that will air live, uh, not live, as recorded on uh, Arizona's Family Sports and Entertainment Network, Channel 44 over the air and 13 on Cox. We got a one-on-one interview there with Rising's new midfielder, Panos Amanakis, which 
you're only going to find on that show. And of course, remember to tune in for the post-game show, where uh, we'll probably have Jake Anderson joining for that one. He's going to be chilling up in the press box. So we'll uh, yank, him, yank him across, yeah, yank him across, and he'll uh, take part in that one. And we'll have to discuss then how that game goes against Oakland. But you know what? Until then, good night.